0: someone who's at the top of his game as a professional athlete. Married, child, one on the way. But he ended up being in the wrong place at the wrong time. And he attracted a severe beating that he didn't ask for and he didn't deserve. And this beating wasn't a mugging or some kind of territorial warfare. It was from bad cops. Now many, I would argue the vast majority of us would spend our life coming to terms with this injustice, trying to manage our rage, but not this guest. He took his near-death experience, set off on a quest to positively impact thousands of lives, and his quest has only begun. In the next hour, you're going to learn about fortitude and forgiveness and how to matter to the people that matter most to you.
1: You're listening to the iHeartRadio Canada Talk Network, and this is Life Matters with Tony Chapman, presented by RBC.
0: Hi, my name is Tony Chapman. Today, I'm living one of my dreams, hosting a national radio show called Life Matters. So where did this all start? I spent three decades as an entrepreneur. I built a couple of advertising agencies and a research firm. I was inducted in the marketing hall of legends and then I spent eight years traveling the world speaking and hosting at conferences and contributing to the conversation in mainstream and social media. When COVID hit with the support of RBC, I launched a podcast called Chatter That Matters where I cut through the chaos and confusion to focus on what matters most to your life and livelihood. So let's talk about life matters and why this show matters to you. First of all, it's positive. I imagine if you're like me, you're so tired of this fire hose of negativity pushing you back every day. The suffocation that happens when you're bombarded with news that the sky's falling, that the walls are closing in, the finger pointing, the widening divide of society. It's impacting our individual and collective mental health. We're feeling uncertain and insecure and that things are impossible. The second thing about this show is it's real. This isn't some self-help, five steps to happiness, this or that. I'm going to share with you stories of ordinary people who are doing extraordinary things in spite of their circumstances. We'll admire their fortitude. We'll be inspired by their actions. Most importantly, apply their life lessons to help each of us get to where we need to go. If I'm successful, I'm going to positively shape how you think, feel, and behave. And anytime during the show, text me at 71010, what you're thinking and feeling, what matters most to you. And I'll incorporate some of your thoughts in upcoming shows. I opened the show compressing a moment of time, a life quest into a paragraph. The person I was referring to, Orlando Bowen, former CFL player, currently a community advocate and inspirational speaker. But in 2004, after his fourth season as a pro athlete, two undercover police officers who did not identify themselves approached him in a parking lot. They accused him of dealing drugs, kicked and beat him, leading to a severe concussion.
2: Orlando Bowen was
0: a hard-hitting Canadian Football League player. He was brutally player.
1: beaten by two plainclothes officers. Thrown in jail, Bowen was charged with drug possession and assault.
0: Bowen was obviously acquitted of any wrongdoing. And just before his acquittal, one of those officers was charged with possession and trafficking cocaine, and eventually convicted and went to prison. But Bowen's football career, however, was over. But his story has just begun.
1: Life Matters is also available as a podcast. Download and listen to the latest episode. Find it using your iHeartRadio Canada app.
0: Orlando, welcome to the show.
3: Honored to be here, Tony. I'm so excited and uh, that intro has me fired up and wanted to, you know, do something with my life. Fantastic. So
0: before you get into that moment in 2004, describe to my listeners what your life was all about.
3: You know, we, uh, very humble beginnings, um, came to Canada as an, as an immigrant at age three, moved to Toronto. I spent a lot of time with my, with my grandparents and my uncle um, as my parents were working uh, multiple jobs. Dad was working three jobs. And uh, so I, I ended up spending a lot of, of time with my, with my grandparents and grew up in public housing. With not much in terms of materialistic things sometimes, not much in terms of food, but always plenty of love. And uh, encouragement.
0: I did a a podcast series, and I find some of those incredible people had a tough childhood and not tough in the sense that, but tough and we would say not materialistic. You just said not always having food on your plate, but they learned a lot from it. What what would be the lessons you would have taken from that upbringing where you might've got to see your parents in fleeting moments because they're working all the time, but your grandparents, as you said, also had that love. What did you, what'd you take from that?
3: Well, there are a number of lessons in there, Tony, just in terms of, of sacrifice even though we didn't have much, you know, my grandparents also would take in other... If I had friends that I was outside playing with, they'd say, come on in, come for dinner. And I'm thinking, like, we barely like, we barely have enough. But, you know, they, they always wanted to make sure that everybody was good. So when one of us ate, we all ate. So they modeled this notion of leading by example when it came to serving others and uplifting others.
0: So you get drafted into the CFL, taking me to that moment, because that's all those hours working through the summer, the mentorship by your uncles, the belief that your family had in you. How did it feel when you knew you might have a chance to play professional sports?
3: It it was amazing in terms of, you know, having an opportunity to play sport for a living was kind of, it was never the end goal. It was was icing on the cake. Education was always the end goal in our house, because that was one thing that, that was drilled into us, that no matter what happens, that can't be taken away from you. So to be able to play football, a game that I love, a game that has taught me so much, and more importantly for me, to be able to engage others through the sport of football from the platform of a professional athlete going in and speaking and mentoring was uh, was what I really, really cherished about the opportunity, especially to be able to do that in my hometown of Toronto.
0: So how did you prioritize because, you know, you're young, you're good looking guy, you've got lots going on. Your role models are saying education, you want to work out athletics. It's fun to be young. How did you decide what was the most important thing for Orlando? Because as youth, a lot of it is just chasing pursuit of happiness. I
3: think I had some experiences, Tony, where um, I saw young people go down paths that that led to, for lack of a better term, death and destruction. And I'm not talking about young people who didn't have assets, right? Young people who weren't gifted, they had talents, they had abilities, they had things that they brought to the table. Sometimes they just didn't understand that they had, they didn't see it in themselves. So I had people that saw things in me, held me accountable to the greatness that they saw in me. And as I started to achieve things, I started thinking about all the young people who were just like me, who were as talented, some more talented than I was, that didn't have those people in their lives. To say, go this path, try this.
0: So, when I was doing some research on you and I saw some clips from pinball, arguably one of the most popular athletes in Canada's ever had, he got Terry talking about Orlando Bowen saying, I've never met somebody that worked harder, also had a greater heart. How did that relationship with the coach, and it's almost like he was a surrogate father talking to you?
3: When I finished my university, I did an undergrad in marketing, a master's in IT and started working in corporate IT in Chicago. And I was being scouted by the Argos. You know, they invited me to training camp. And the biggest question, really the only question, and I asked to speak to Pinball about this. Um, I said, if I make this team, will I be able to serve in community? Will I be able to give back? Since then, he said it really threw him for a loop because he thought I was going to call and ask about, will you guarantee playing time or I need some more money? But I was asking about service. And if you know anything about Pinball, that's his heart. So he said, if you make this team, you and I will go out and serve. And that's exactly what happened. All that we could to inspire, but also empower and equip young people and others, educators, police, to do what they can to redefine possibilities for young people. Because Pinball and I had both been beneficiaries of people who, like yourself, use your brilliance, use your voice and your platform to redefine possibilities for us.
0: It's Tony Chapman on Life Matters. We're talking to Orlando Bowen. And after the break, you're going to hear a story that's absolutely going to move you. But what's more important is how Orlando moves after that. Text me anytime at 71010.
1: Life Matters with Tony Chapman will return in a moment on the iHeartRadio Talk Network.
0: Hi, it's Tony Chapman. And a big thank you to RBC for sponsoring Life Matters. Speaking of matters, I have a question for you. You check in on your family, the status of your health or car. What was the last time you did a check-in with your finances? Well, RBC Check-In is a virtual experience with no obligation. I got answers to all of my money questions, big and small, and I now have a plan for my future. Book a check-in at rbc.com slash check-in.
3: And I was laying face down on the pavement thinking my life was about to end, and all I could think was, God, not like this, God. I haven't even taught him how to tie his shoelaces yet, God.
2: Not like this. Orlando Bowen was a hard-hitting Canadian Football League player. He was brutally player. beaten by two
1: plainclothes officers. Thrown in jail, Bowen was charged with drug possession and assault. And assault. Each week, you can download the latest episode of Life Matters as a podcast from your iHeartRadio Canada app, presented by RBC. Now more with Tony Chapman.
0: Hi, it's Tony Chapman, and welcome back to Life Matters. I'm talking with Orlando Bowen. And just to set the stage once again, imagine being at the top of your game, literally and figuratively. You just signed a contract extension with the Hamilton Cats beautiful wife, a child, one on the way, and you're waiting to meet up with friends in a parking lot and you're going to head downtown and celebrate, but happens to be at the wrong place at the wrong time. Get approached by two corrupt undercover cops and they lay on a severe beating that you didn't ask for or deserve. And through that beating, you lose your career and almost your life. Orlando, take us back to that night and how your world changed forever.
3: Thank you, Tony. I was uh, standing outside. I just uh, standing outside of my vehicle on the uh, driver's side. I was waiting for my friends to arrive. We were about to go downtown and celebrate, so we decided to meet up at a carpool location. And and as I'm waiting on them, I see two guys that approach me, and they said, "Hey, man, what you got? Got any drugs?" And I'm thinking, "Come on, man. Um, you know, they're they're plain clothes police officer. I didn't. You know, as you mentioned, they didn't identify." themselves. And as they approached me, I just said, no, I answered their question. And then I went back to the phone call that I was on. And uh, one guy says, are you sure? And I'm thinking, why would someone ask me if I'm sure if they asked for drugs, I said, I don't have any, why would they? So I I was about to answer him, Tony. But then I remembered that I had initially seen two guys, but now I'm only seeing one. So I looked to see where the other guy was and he was standing in my blind spot. So I took a step back so I could see them both. And I said, what's going on? Long story short, you know, one guy says, um, I'm a police officer. So I said, oh, OK, cool. I worked with police. I was a spokesperson for the police service. I went into schools of police officers, friends with a number of amazing officers. So when he said that they're police officers, any anxiety kind of went away. I'm like, oh, OK, cool. They might even know who I am because I do so much work. With just them. to just to frame
0: that right for the audience, you, you spent time as a liaison for the Peel PO Police helping to bridge the divide between how police officers are viewed and society. Yeah,
3: I, my my role was to bridge uh police and community and to really help uh you know, police officers and community connect better. So here
0: you are as a person that's spending their time volunteering connecting to police officers, and what
3: happens? One guy says, you know, do you mind if we uh Search your pockets. And I'm thinking, that's kind of an odd request. But I don't have anything to hide. So I said, sure, go ahead. So they go through my pocket. They don't find anything. Then one guy puts his hand on my chest. He says, why is your heart beating so fast? I said, I got two grown men grabbing on me in the parking lot, man. So the the gentleman on my left side, so closest to the the front of the vehicle, punches me in my side and says, just do what you're told. So I'm like, what the heck? The one on my right says, okay, we didn't find anything. We're going to have to put handcuffs on you. So I'm like, handcuffs on me for what? The gentleman that had punched me in my side and said, just do what you're told, you know, as he was holding on to me, his, his sleeve was rolled up when he punched me. And I saw a tattoo of an eagle with a dagger in his talons and blood dripping from the dagger. And I started looking at these guys and I'm like, they're not acting like police officers. They're not dressed like police officers. They're not speaking like, like officers. They're not officers. So I knocked the guy's hand off me, who was standing on my left side. I moved towards the front of the vehicle. The guy behind me grabbed my jacket, but I just let my hands, my arms flail behind me. So my jacket came off and I was out of there, Tony. I was a pretty athletic guy, pretty fast guy. So I ran towards the front of the vehicle, in front of the vehicle, then up the passenger side. And I'm thinking, I'm out of here. As I start running, I hear the word, stop or I'll shoot. So I'm thinking, oh my God, these guys are cops. So I stopped and then I said, what's going on? And and there were no uh, verbal responses other than they were trying to, you know, beat me and try to get my leg to collapse. And they're saying, I'm going to break her in leg. They got me down to the ground and they continued to beat me until the skin on my head split. And I remember just being face on the pavement, Tony. And I'm thinking, I can't believe that this is how I'm going to die. There was a point where I'm um, watching the George Floyd video where he cried out for his mom, um, that had been dead for a couple of years. And I said, I know exactly what that feels like. That's the point where you know you're not going home. That's where you know you're never going to see your your living family again. And that's where I was on that pavement, knowing that my life was about to end.
0: So if you're listening to this, just put yourself, because it's so easy sometimes just to hear words, but just put yourself in this moment. CFL player, contract extension, wonderful family, wrong place at the wrong time, gets approached things start going completely AWOL with these bad cops. And we're not talking about shoving, which I I will post the pictures on the Facebook if you allow me, Orlando. We're talking about a severe beating that ends your CFL career.
3: Yeah. When they, um, they then call for backup once they have me subdued on the ground. And it's only by, you know, I believe in a higher power, Tony. And I believe that it's only by God's grace that I'm still here, that my life didn't end that night. And they call for backup, backup comes, they put me in the back of a marked cruiser and then take my ID. When the the uniform officer looks at my ID and sees my playing card, CFL playing card, and my CFL players association card, he says, is this you, this person on this card, is it you? And I said, yeah, he said, this is you. I said, yeah, and he says, oh, shh. So I'm figuring he recognizes me from the work that I do Next thing I know, I'm being taken to the police station. They take me to the station. They don't let me speak to anyone. They deny me my, I'm not, they, they deny me any phone call, um, deny me medical attention. And I'm wondering what the heck is going on? It's, uh, you know, they, they hold me in the cell overnight, denied, you know, any access to uh, a phone call. I repeatedly asked and asked and asked, yeah, 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 we're working on it, but they never got to it. Um, and about when it got to the next morning, they opened my jail cell up, and I thought, okay, maybe they realize that I'm their spokesperson. Maybe they realize that I work with them. Um, but what it, they opened my jail cell up to handcuff me, the three other guys to take me to court, and that's when I learned that the charges were for real. I was being charged with assaulting a police officer, two counts, and possession of a controlled substance. Now, apparently, they had gone back to the scene where my vehicle was while I was in the jail cell and planted drugs by my car, and then took pictures of those drugs. So it, it was this crazy journey um, that that our family was about to be on and having to figure out how I was gonna defend myself against these charges. Um, the assault, as you know, uh, was a severe one, uh, which resulted in a severe concussion that ended my football career.
0: What did your wife say when she first saw you the way you were, because I, I... That's just, to me, one of the most tragic parts of the story is how her reaction to seeing just how badly you're beaten.
3: Yeah, she um, she was at a loss for words when she initially saw my face. And then she just broke down sobbing, sobbing. And she was just like, who, who could have done this to you? Like, it was just, it was just so surreal. Uh, thinking back, um, you know, it was a, uh, heartbreaking. And, and the other thing was a big concern for me was that our one-year-old son um, wouldn't recognize me um, because my my wife, you know, it was a struggle for her as she saw how swollen my face and head were. Um, yeah, first first thing was to get to the hospital as soon as possible in case there was a, a skull fracture.
0: Tony Chapman, we're listening to Life Matters. I'm talking to Orlando Bowen. And when we come back, I mean, if you're listening to this, I know I would have so much rage and anger and trying to find redemption. What you're going to hear next is what this incredible human being is doing to not only better the planet, but even taking the time to write a letter to forgive the people that almost ended his life. Tony Chapman, Life Matters. Text me at any time at 71010. Coming up later on in Life Matters is Gopal Bansal. He's the VP of Diversity and Inclusion at RBC. And he talks about the magic and power of curiosity and opening everybody's minds to a more inclusive planet.
1: You're listening to the iHeartRadio Canada Talk Network. We'll be right back with more Life Matters with Tony Chapman.
3: Game changer, we have to look at ways that we can let go, stand up so we can go out and make a difference. Because that's what we were born to do.
1: You're listening to Life Matters with Tony Chapman.
0: If you're just tuning in, I'm talking to Orlando Bowen. I encourage you to listen to the podcast. You need to feel this person's emotions, his sense of positivity. I mean, this is a person, a CFL star, contract extension, wonderful wife, child, one on the way, beaten to the point of losing his career, almost his life at the hands of bad cops. And he goes through this and he gets handcuffed and he gets tried and he gets drugs planted. And all of this gets acquitted for good reason but I don't want to spend any more time talking about 2004. I now want to talk about what Orlando is doing to bring positivity to both youth and everybody that's around them. Orlando Bone, welcome back to the
3: show. Honored to be here, Tony.
0: Tell me a little bit about what you're doing now with both your foundation. I'd love you to start with youth because I think that your investment in youth is really where are the future of all of Canada lies in terms of how they feel inspired and motivated. And tell us a little bit about what you're doing.
3: Mm-hmm. We, uh, I run a youth leadership charity called One Voice, One Team. So Tony, when I say One Voice, I invite with passion and energy to say One Team. One Voice, One Team. Yeah, there you go. So it's all about empowering and equipping young people to see beyond their current circumstances and to understand that they're not alone in this journey. The things that they may face, uh, that may challenge them, that may sometimes seem insurmountable, may actually be may actually be one of life's gifts to them that they could use to connect with others on a deeper level and and use those experiences to pour hope and positivity and possibility into other people's lives by the way that they choose to show up.
0: So Orlando, if they have a chance to have that time with you, but what advice can you give people listening? Because a lot of youth, are, they're running away to personal devices, to uh, social media, to a network where they can disguise their persona, they can create their own identity that's not real. What advice can you give people listening to say, what can we do to make sure that there's a sense of self-esteem and certainty with today's young people?
3: Mm-hmm. Young people, need spaces where they can be heard. Young people need spaces where they can feel and know that they're connected to something that's bigger than them. Spaces where they don't need to put on an avatar or a mask or a filter, right? They could just be open and honest and authentic and they they won't be judged. As a matter of fact, they'll be celebrated for the fact that they showed up as their authentic selves. So in that, I feel like one of the things that powerfully lends itself to that is that we as adults are willing to model that and even to model things that, you know, have challenged us, but understanding that the challenge is a part of the journey and that through these challenges, we're able to be able to give hope to others who have faced similar or other challenges who have been in spaces where they felt like they weren't going to be able to make it or that they didn't matter so much or that they didn't have anyone or a reason to hope. We are that. And we have a responsibility, I believe, to show up in those ways that solidify that for young people.
0: Do you find that with social media, and I'm not picking on social media, but there's a sense of bravado. I have, we all live the most interesting life. We're all looking for likes and validation. Is it harder for somebody face-to-face to have humility, to say that they're scared, to reach out for help because they live in this insular world?
3: I believe it is harder Uh, for people face-to-face to to admit that we need help or that we feel alone or that we're being challenged by something because there's so much pressure and it's by design (laughs) through social media algorithms for the different platforms It's by design to feed certain parts of our, of our brain, right. To, to help us feel like, okay, I'm being validated. This person liked this, this comment. I have to present myself like the perfect parts of my life, which means that I have to have perfect parts to present. So I think when when we get into spaces, then face to face, people are feeling if they don't have that perfect life, if they can't project that perfect image like they did on social media, they feel less than. Or they feel that maybe they don't have something to contribute when it's quite the opposite, right? We all have so tremendous value that we bring to the table. And we're all going to face challenges. It's a part of life. But when we can be in spaces that we can be open, honest, and authentic, that's when real conversations can happen, which leads to real change and real possibilities.
0: You know, it's, it's interesting and almost ironic that Hollywood paints, you know, wealthy lives and entitled lives of these wonderful lives, but so much of your learning came from growing up with your grandparents, your parents working three jobs and the sense of mentorship and love and guidance. And I love what you're doing. And I see your work with youth and the look in their eyes and their shining eyes and Mm -hmm. got to follow Orlando Bone and look at the stuff that he's doing. And these people are, are coming together as humans. It's almost tribal. It's almost, Mm -hmm. it's almost celebrating that we are human beings. There's no, there's no color. There's no diversity. It's just all this energy. You take this message also to corporations. Is that harder for you? Do you ever feel like you're an imposter getting on? I've seen you on stage. There's a thousand people in the room. How do you get the courage to go up there and say, my experiences and what I've learned
3: is something of value to that audience? You know, Tony, I feel one of the things that is, has happened, you know, through the, the, whether it's the Black Lives Matter movement or watching George Floyd's murder, is that you can't unsee what you've seen. I also can't unhear what I've heard. And we've been in spaces, corporate spaces and youth spaces, where we've had, I've had young people and uh, seasoned corporate veterans come up to me and thank me for a message that shifted their perspective that saved their life. And I'm talking about people giving specifics, like today at 436, when I get out of this program, my plan was to go home and take my life because I didn't feel like my life had purpose, right? And based on what, what was shared, I now know that it does. When you have those conversations, or I've you know, been in maximum security prisons and have having someone who has uh, almost 20 years left on his sentence say, where were you? I didn't know there was another path, I can't unsee or unhear that, right? So I know I have a responsibility to share messages that are about bringing people together, not just allowing people, you know, I talk about Ubuntu, right? It's a a word that in, in the South of Africa that means I am because you are, right? I am a human being because of your humanity. And not only am I willing to stand for your humanity, I'm willing to do all that I can with all that I am to honor that humanity, even if it means putting myself in harm's way because we are interconnected as human beings. So with that understanding, I'll be uncomfortable stepping in front of corporate stages because that's what it takes sometimes to save people and to move them.
0: When you're in front of people like this and you're talking with them, is it you talking or do you think you're channeling something higher? Watching you on stage, you almost morph into this this authentic, soul that just puts it out there?
3: Well, I I think this is the first time ever in a conversation like this where I feel exactly that. I feel like my one of the reasons my life didn't end, Tony, is because my life has purpose, as do the lives of the folks that are in those audiences. And I have a responsibility to channel everything that I can to help people understand that. And that's where that energy comes from. It's much bigger than me.
0: We're talking to Orlando Bowen, go to OrlandoBowen.com if you're ever looking to do a corporate event that you really want steeped in authenticity. It's Tony Chapman, you're listening to Life Matters. Text me at any time, 71010, and when we come back, I want Orlando to share how and why he wrote a letter of forgiveness to the police officers that almost ended his life.
1: Life Matters with Tony Chapman will return in a moment on the iHeartRadio Talk Network.
0: Hi, it's Tony Chapman and a big thank you to RBC for sponsoring Life Matters. Speaking of matters, I have a question for you. You check in on your family, the status of your health or car. When was the last time you did a check-in with your finances? Well, RBC Check-In is a virtual experience with no obligation. I got answers to all of my money questions, big and small, and I now have a plan for my future. Book a check-in at rbc.com slash check-in.
1: Life Matters with Tony Chapman continues on the iHeartRadio Talk Network.
0: Welcome back, Tony Chapman, Life Matters, Orlando Bowen. We've just tuned in. In 30 seconds, let me tell you about CFL Star, contract extension of hands. Pinball Clemens considers him one of the finest human beings he's ever coached. And he ends up the wrong place at the wrong time, gets severely beaten by bad cops. Ends his career, almost ends his life. He gets acquitted. But instead of following a path of revenge, instead of following a path of being bitter, he chooses these experiences to decide that he's going to spend the rest of his life making sure people follow the right path, a path of passion, a path of purpose. But the most amazing part of the story as I read it is that one of the ways you healed is you ended up writing a letter of forgiveness to the police officers that's almost ended your life. Tell me what was the motivation?
3: Yeah, you know what's interesting about that, Tony, and thank you for your your brilliance and wisdom. Um, one of the interesting things about the letter is that when I sat down to write it, it was actually at a a conference that a colleague of mine had said, you know, you gotta go to this conference. It will help you just unlock your potential. And so I was like, okay, cool, I'll, I'll go. I'm waiting for these marketing tips. I'm waiting for the, the wisdom, the brilliance. And they said, "Who what do you need to forgive? And I'm thinking I don't need to forgive anyone, but we were in the midst of our court trial um, where I was on trial and I thought, well, in court, I can't really say anything uh, while the officers are testifying. But if I could say something, what would I say? That was the origin. That was the Genesis of starting to craft the letter to say what I would say if I had an opportunity to do so in court. This may sound strange, but in this game of life, we're actually on the same team. And I want to courageously express the fact that I'm thankful, grateful, and forever in debt to you for this experience because it's forever changed my life. Man, it's made me a better father and a better husband. I remember trying to write. I was writing the letter and and tears were flowing and my hand couldn't keep up with the thoughts coming from my head. I was just in a zone. And when I finished the letter, Tony, it was like a burden was lifted. Weights were taken off of my back. And I felt this lightness and and a levity. And what I realized was that letter of forgiveness was more for us than it even was for those officers. Because people often ask me, how could you have possibly forgiven someone? They almost killed you. They lost your career. And I said, you know, forgiveness is not condoning. It's not saying what, what happened was right. It's not saying that There is no consequence. There are consequences, right? What it's saying is I'm releasing myself from the emotion of that moment, from the emotion of that trauma so that I can be present and engage in the gifts that are right in front of me. The gift of fatherhood, the gift of being a husband, the gift of being able to serve corporately or in community or by equipping young people. I wouldn't be able to engage and fully appreciate those things if I held on to the emotion of the the hurt and that trauma. So forgiveness is a choice and and one that frees us. I consider forgiveness to be a a high performance tool.
0: Talking to Orlando Bowen, this will be out on a podcast. If you miss part of the show, it's, it's a wonderful story. Where we ended just now is the lesson in life. I want all of us to think about the sense of forgiveness and releasing yourself from the past to focus on the future. Orlando's case, and I think if we all had the same attitude in life to serve, help people get to where they want to go, to be a mentor, a friend, somebody to guide, if we all embraced even 10% of what radiates through Orlando alone, I think a lot of the world and the insecurities and uncertainties and fears that we face would disappear because we'd realize we're all human beings and we're in it together. Orlando Bowen, my first guest on Life Matters and a guest I will never forget. Thank you so much.
3: Thank you, Tony, I appreciate you.
0: Joining me next is Gopal Bansal. He's the Vice President of Diversity and Inclusion for RBC. They were ranked fourth last year best in terms of diversity and inclusion. So he has a lot to offer. Gopal, welcome to uh, Life Matters.
2: Thanks very much for having me, Tony. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: So I love what I read when you, when you got at the podium, number four, and you said, that's not good enough. This is a journey. This isn't a destination. What was the motivation for that? Because a lot of people would pretty well high five themselves or in your position.
2: When organizationally we think about diversity and inclusion, we do think about it as a journey. There's gonna be people at different spectrums or in different spots along the journey, and the idea is to continue to move forward. When we look ahead at the journey, we're constantly looking to identify who doesn't feel included, who doesn't feel represented, who doesn't feel that that they belong. And what do we need to do uh, to ensure that we're doing that? Whether it's in our communities, whether it's in our organization, whether it's with our clients, and the products and services that we might offer, we're always looking at it from that point of view. And so we do take a moment to celebrate the successes we've had, but really what keeps us motivated and keeps us moving is looking ahead to see where the opportunities are, what more do we need to do,
0: and how do we do it? So how do we translate what you've learned globally, what you've learned as a corporation, and bring it down to the listeners of the show, what can we do better to make sure that within our life we're much more open to diversity and inclusion?
2: One is to take a look at the people that you're around. What we tend to do is surround ourselves with people who either look like us, sound like us, or have the same beliefs as us. That leads to this question of, are you actually getting diverse perspectives? Are people reinforcing the beliefs that you already have? How are you broadening your point of view, whether it's a political point of view, whether it's a religious point of view, uh, whether it's a cultural point of view, if you don't have people who can offer you a, a fresh perspective? So that's certainly one of them. The other thing is to stay curious. I tell the story often when I was a kid growing up, I had a number of of friends from a variety of different cultures, and we were all sort of immigrant kids, and and I had a a Vietnamese friend who came to my house, and my mother was cooking. I've got an Indian background. My mother was cooking Indian food, and he walked into my house, and the first thing that he said was, what's that smell? But he asked it from a place of curiosity. It wasn't from a place of of offense, and I explained to him that my mom was cooking. But what we found as we started to talk to each other, and we started to get to know each other is while there are differences between us, fundamentally our values are all the same. We're very similar in, in values. And if we can get to a point where we recognize that amongst the people around us, that there's differences to be celebrated, but values to hold on to that keep us together, I think we'll be in a good spot.
0: Gopal Bantsell from RBC, thank you so much for joining me on Life Matters.
2: Thanks very much, Tony.
0: So what's the difference between an obstacle and an opportunity? our attitude towards it. Every opportunity has difficulty, but every difficulty has opportunity. And that's the intention of life matters. I want to counter this fire of negativity hitting me every second of the day and trying to push me onto my back feet. Instead, I want to march in step with Canada, the most extraordinary country in the world. We're a democracy. Our values radiate with words like tolerance and respect. Sure, we have problems, but we also have an abundance of fresh water, land we can farm, resources we can harvest and the intellectual capital of our population. We can set Canada and all our future generations up for success if we believe and act upon our destiny. Be part of the solution how humans can coexist with our planet and with each other. But we have to want it. We have to decide that we need to earn our way forward versus boring our way there. We can't become the social state with people on the drip waiting for handouts. That's not teaching our kids about resilience. They're not giving us the fortitude of will that drives people like Orlando Bowen. And that's what Life Matters is all about. Ordinary people doing extraordinary things. I want to tell you a story that happened October 14th, 1948. Three years after World War II, we had yet to fly at the speed of sound. Take you back there, half the world didn't want anything to do with it. That was God's country. The atmosphere would disappear. The planets wouldn't survive. The other half had an incredible appetite for change. That morning, Saturday morning, Chuck Yeager, the pilot, gets up and he just says, this is the day, this is what we've been working for. And as he takes off, here's what he wrote in his biography. I knew it was our day. I just pointed the nose up and I let that plane fly like a bird. Oh, I soared and I kept looking down at the gauge and looking up. And then I heard something we'd been dreaming out for a very long time, the sonic boom. We were flying at the speed of sound, but it was a perfectly paved speedway, a, a poke through jello. Grandma could be sitting beside me sipping lemonade. Later, much later, I realized that berries had never been in the sky, but always in our minds. For decades at NASA, when people said it can't be done, they would counter, are the barriers in the sky or in your mind? Thanks for tuning in to Life Matters. And anytime I'm on air, just text me at 71010. You can reach me at Tony Chapman on Twitter or connect with me on LinkedIn. And subscribe to my website, chatterthatmatters.ca. I've populated with videos, podcasts, and posts about possibilities not impossibilities. See you next week. We'll chat then.
1: Life Matters with Tony Chapman has been a presentation of RBC. You can also hear a brand new episode every Friday across your iHeartRadio Canada talk network.